The Money Show. Ad feature with Andy Rice. You were part of a webinar yesterday to talk about brand finances, valuation of brands. Andy Rice, explain to me this concept of brand valuation, if you would. Yes, I was more an attendee than a part of, but uh, it was an interesting uh, webinar on the subject of the benefits of South African brands to the economy. So we're talking really commercial, hard-nosed information, which we really need to, to make decisions about the various relative strengths of different companies. Um, and the company that put this on, Jeremy Sampson's brand finance, which he is the South African representative, um, they do an annual study which uh, measures the top 50 brands in most different markets and can, because it's been running for some years, can do a tracking study to show what the, the value of the brands do, do over time. Now, I'm not going to even try and get into the methodology it's quite esoteric, it's quite uh, um, technical, but I think it's quite reliable. Um, and if nothing else, it, by it being a tracking study, it's bound to give you the same kind of margin for error year on year. Um, and they've listed the top 50 South African brands. And um, uh, one of the things that they immediately pointed out was the fact that this re- represented a surprising resilience um, in the face of the market conditions that are so dreadful, they had actually forecast last year that there would be a 15% reduction in the total brand value of all of those 50 brands. And it actually measured out in the end at just 2%. And the, the feeling is that the value of the brands is kind of intangible reputational value. What makes a difference from a product to a brand was a great contributor to that resilience. Uh, we also learned that... Um, to make the same point, if you take the top 10 uh, uh, most valuable brand companies uh, and compare their, their share price performance over time with the market index, the S&P 500, you'll find there that the, that the brand literate and brand hungry companies outperform the market substantially. Um, so there are interesting facts and figures coming out for anybody who's involved with the uh, commercial uh, progress and success of the South African economy. But I mean, I look um, at the top the top brands, Andy, and I just see companies that advertise an awful lot. Um, and, uh, you know, what is the correlation between companies that advertise a huge amount and this perception of brand value? Well, the, the relationship revolves, obviously, at least in part, on, on what kind of advertising they're doing. And uh, an awful lot of bad advertising wouldn't be any better than uh, uh, a lesser amount of good advertising. But um, the, what, it, what, it, what it represents is the proof, if you like, of the, of the long and often quoted uh, policy that it is cheaper and better to maintain your marketing pressure during bad times than to uh, cut back because you need to make some savings and marketing looks like an easy budget to take a chop out of. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, it is, as I say, very dependent on, on, on the quality of the advertising, but it's also, to some extent, dependent on the, uh, on the viewpoint, the horizon of, those, of that advertising. Because another fact that comes out of these kinds of studies, not just this one from brand finance, but many, is that uh, sales promotion versus brand building in advertising have very different effects. So sales promotion is great for shifting a lot of unsold stock and and making short-term changes that may not endure. 
But brand building is the stuff that makes brands what they are over time and creates a flywheel effect that keeps them going. So uh, the, the correlation between the two depends on the quality of the advertising and the objective of the advertising. But generally speaking, uh, it's, it's a very good idea to, to keep the pressure on. As the old Swedish saying goes, there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothing. So <laughs> buckle up, put your jackets on and get ready. And those that do that and have got the, the good clothing will be the ones that will emerge with a stronger brand value at the end of the exercise. So the big brands, I think, quite predictable. Um, if I look at telecoms, if I look at financial services, those are going to be the big gorillas, aren't they? Yes, and I think um, established scale is quite important because you've got um, MTN for the third, uh, third or fourth year running as the most valuable brand, closely followed by its competitor, Vodacom. And, uh, and between telecoms and financial services, i.e. banking plus insurance, uh, you'll find that the, the, the brands uh, in, in those two categories collectively make up 40% of the total of all 50 brands. So there's a very, very, uh, t- very marked skew towards the big brands, which is why at this stage we're not seeing, for example, in the banking sector, we're not yet seeing the guys who are making a lot of reputational noise like um, Time Bank or Discovery or um, any other um, of the new kind of fresh look at banking brands, they will be there in due course, but you can't simply knock something as, as gigantic um, as Vodacom or MTN or FNB off their perch in a, just a year or so, no matter how much publicity you may garner. I was chatting to somebody today who is, you know, wanting uh, tourism to open up and they're wanting tourism to uh, to grow. And I made the point to this person saying to them, well, you know, we're going to be competing against each and every single tourism destination in the world the moment that the world starts traveling. And, you know, we've got to have some sort of unique positioning. And I wonder just how strong brand South Africa is, not the organization brand South Africa, which is a, 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 a disgraceful mess. Um, and SA Tourism, which had, has had its budget slashed as a result of nobody traveling during the hard lockdowns and the budget hasn't come back. I'm not talking about that perspective. I'm talking about the brand of South Africa in a world of dramatic competition, which is looming uh, as the world starts wanting to travel again. Well, there's no doubt that the long-range optimism that we all enjoyed um, shortly after 1994, was uh, uh, not maintained in the in the tourism uh, and hospitality sectors because simply we got most things wrong and didn't have a unified policy. And sadly, I think one of the victims of this kind of um, misguided uh, uh, treatment of, of the national brand, of the nation brand um, is a loss in in uh, reputational equity. And there's it's quite likely that this will be hung this will hang over into uh, the new economy when eventually one hopes we do manage to turn the corner but uh, a strong reputational brand it seems that if you can if you can sustain the power of that brand by one percent per annum then it has the effect of adding five to ten percent to potential net foreign direct investment inflow. So there's a real correlation between the strength of the brand's reputation and the amount of money that follows that brand into the market.
Okay, interesting one. Yeah, Brand South Africa needs uh, very serious work, very serious budget, and very serious uh, wisdom in order to help us recover from this from this crisis. Take me to your zero, please. I don't think there is going to be a tree hugger amongst us who's going to disagree with you this evening. Yeah, so moving from a collective hero for those big brands that kept up the brand building that we were speaking about just now, um, the zero is um, from a smaller challenger brand, if you like, one that's fighting in its in its own category for space. Um, and there are a couple of lessons should, that should be learned from a bit of a PR disaster that they've, they've uh, experienced over the over recent days. Um, the first is that um, you must remember that a brand is about promises, a promise made and a promise kept. So if you don't keep those promises, then they're, they're worthless in the first place. But importantly, what really matters when you do have a a blunder, and I'll reveal the brand in a moment, um, is, not, is not the strength of the brand prior to the blunder, but how you solve it uh, afterwards. And there is research time and again, which shows that how you resolve a blunder is potentially more valuable for the brand than avoiding having that blunder in the first place. That's because brand behavior is so critical. And this is an example of brand behavior gone wrong. If you were driving up um, William Nickel Drive or onto William Nickel Drive at the Hyde Park Shopping Center in, in Johannesburg in the last few days, you would have seen a very large billboard on the side of the shopping center wall, the car park side, that runs probably 20 or 30 meters long, with a very great big billboard for Showmax and for a particular series that Showmax have been putting on called The Handmaid's Tale. And uh, what's what's wrong with that? You ask yourself, well, simply that there are about eight or ten mature, reasonably mature fever trees that were blocking the line of sight view to the billboard. And suddenly everybody wakes up one morning and they've all been lopped dramatically, not just trimmed, but lopped and, and uh, uh, conspicuous by their obvious um, reason for being cut is to, to make readable the billboard that lurks behind. And we tried various ways. Um, the ever-vigilant Jenny Cruz Williams got onto the case <laughs> and, uh, and failed to, uh, to get to the heart of who the people were, as I did as well. It's very hard to get hold of a lot of companies. They don't give you a telephone number. No. They only give you a, only give you a chat line. And mm. uh, that chat line, in my case, just dried up. I got nothing further from them. So we're not sure about the exact circumstances, but we, we do have reason to believe that that uh, it was simply a lack of, of control. Someone said, uh, we need to, to, to move to, to cut those trees back a little bit. And a little bit is a, is a, is a subjective term, <laughs> I, mean, I, I suppose. I laugh because I can't believe it. I mean, a fever tree is one of those trees that doesn't need pruning. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an indigenous tree. It grows wild all over Limpopo and Pumalanga. It is a most magnificent African tree planted along William Nickel um, and in all of their glory. And they, they really are magnificent, those avenues of trees. And then you see these ones outside Hyde Park, which have been absolutely <laughs> hacked back. Um, uh, all to expose a Showmax billboard uh, for a, a dystopian world. Maybe it's symbolic. Maybe there's a deeper meaning to this. <laughs> Maybe the trees are, are seen as sacrifices into the future. Isn't there an old poem about billboards and trees or something somewhere, Andy? Let me take a deep breath and, and uh, here we go. I think that I shall never see a billboard lovely as a tree 
Indeed, unless the billboards fall, I'll never see a tree at all. And that's from uh, American uh, poet and humorist Ogden Nash. And that was written in, a, I would guess, in about the, the 30s or 40s, um, at the very latest in the 50s. So it's not a, it's not a, um, the, the intrusion of outdoor advertising into our immediate visual environment is not a new thing. It's been, uh, there've been battles between media owner and, and, and general public for many years, as that poem suggests. Andy Rice with Heroes and Zeros. Showmax gets the zero for hacking back the trees to show off its posters. Heroes go to South Africa's big brands, outperforming expectations uh, in the world of COVID.